So that was quite the marathon of reading. So I'm, I'm quite impressed. I must say, I was, I was wondering if in Canada maybe you had people would walk out during halfway through, but you're still all here, most of you. So that's, um, that's amazing. So yes, and we were celebrating this incredible feast day. We're also celebrating the. That, well, someone's going to be baptized today as well, so confirmed and received into the church and received First Communion, so we're really happy about that as well. I thought I'd share with you a few thoughts about, well, kind of the essence, I guess you could say, or the core main point, I think, or I guess you could say a lot of things about today, but this is what, I, what came to mind when I was thinking about it. And it's the following, without the light of the resurrection... Man gropes in darkness. He's disoriented, he stumbles without the resurrection. Man really doesn't know who he is. He remains in the dark. Without the resurrection, the entire universe, at the end of the day, ends up in some kind of universal grave. And if that's so, then the present is also pretty meaningless. In the end, then, it doesn't matter how I live and how I die, because, you know, eat, drink, as one of the one of the um, philosophers in the time of Paul would say, let's eat and drink, tomorrow we're dead. You know, without a future, the present loses its meaning. And sometimes we Christians were accused of consoling ourselves with the future, like heaven. And, you know, that's why we don't care about the present moment. But actually, the contrary is true, because if there is no future, then the present moment actually, at the end of the day, doesn't really have any meaning, because then it doesn't matter if my name was Adolf Hitler or Mother Teresa, because at the end of the day, we're all ending up in the same place. And then, with, we don't have any criterion by which we can distinguish between that which is apprehensible, reprehensible, and desirable, except the arbitrariness of individual whim. Without the resurrection, there is only the survival of the fittest, the survival of those who exercise power and who can assert themselves more powerfully. Before the inevitable final annihilation, ultimately, of everything which is good, everything which is beautiful, every act of love, every good deed, every truth, all justice and mercy, every glance of empathy, the world loses color. Only shades of gray remain. Man loses his dignity and his greatness, and he falls into self-destruction. But... And that's the big but of this evening. No, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not comprehended it. And the light came into the world to give enlightenment to all who believe. The light of Christ, we sang it three times, coming into the church this evening. Everything, everything hinges upon, falls, and rises with the resurrection. It's the foundation upon which we stand. But it's not a resurrection like that of Lazarus, whom Jesus raised from the dead, or like the son of the widow of Nain, whom he also raised from the dead. They were simply revived and died again. No one would want to live forever if life would just go on as it is in this world. No, after about a thousand years, I suspect that for most of us it would start becoming pretty boring. 
you know, you've done, you've done it all, you've seen it all, you know, your bucket list, you've done it 10 times, you, you just, it gets, it's going to get kind of, yeah, just kind of, kind of boring. And, and that's why someone like St. Ambrose a thousand seven hundred years ago would say, eternity is more of a burden than a gift when grace is not present. The resurrection brings something fundamentally new. It's not just living forever like we're living on this earth. We know that Christ being raised from the dead dies no more. Death no longer has power over him. Now there's something kind of odd, curious when you read the reports of the resurrection of Jesus. They knew it was the Lord, but they were afraid to ask him if it was him. They were frightened and very afraid. They were amazed, but still couldn't believe it out of joy. And then they see him after the, the wonderful catch of fish in the Sea of Galilee. And none of the disciples dare to ask him, who are you? For they knew it was the Lord. Like, it was like, it's kind of curious. It seems kind of like contradictory almost. This inconsistency points you know, to the authenticity of what happened. At least if I would want to kind of fake the whole thing about the resurrection, I certainly wouldn't write these contradictions. And it kind of points to this, to this novelty and overwhelming power of what really happened, which they didn't have categories to try to explain it. They didn't, they didn't know how to, how to explain it to other people. It was beyond any experience they had ever had. Now, something that kind of helps me understand this, there was this, this French um, fellow, I don't know how to pronounce his name, André Fossard. Um, he wrote a book, God Exists, I met him. His dad was one of the co-founders of the Communist Party in France. And he was born in 1950 and, and died in 1915 and died in 1995. And he was a convinced atheist and he was with his friend they they were his friend went shopping in, in Paris and he was with him and he was waiting for him in the car outside and he got kind of bored and he saw Notre Dame Cathedral which is a beautiful cathedral I don't know if any of you have ever been there before it got burned down but it, I had the chance just to actually just like a week before to see it and it's really incredible anyway and he had never gone in because of principal and, and he, but he was bored so he, he went in and and he, he tries to explain what happened like he, after in his book. And he says, you know, I, I've come out. And, and he came out a convinced Christian, a convinced Catholic. He didn't know if it was five minutes later or half an hour later. He wasn't exactly sure how long that experience was. Maybe it was just a few seconds. But he says that everything around him, the cars, the people, the buildings, compared to the experience he had just had, appeared to him like shadows for the next three days. It was that reality that he had experienced in that moment, you know, just made everything else seem like nothing comparison. And, and that, that experience that he had kind of makes me under, helps me to understand a bit what happened with the apostles because, well, how do you explain that to somebody who has never made that experience? It's almost like, or maybe a bit closer to home, it's trying to explain to, like, for me, coming home to visit my parents, trying to explain an Austrian what a sockeye salmon is when you have it on a roasted fire or like, you know, this awesome pancake with maple syrup and just tons of whipped cream. If, if, if you've never tasted that, like the Austrian is going to look at you and say, okay, it tastes good, wonderful. But I mean, he, he doesn't have 
I don't have, I, like, how do you explain that to somebody? Like, if they've never bitten into a pancake with lots of maple syrup and lots of whipped cream on top, they don't know what you're talking about. Because no, it's, it's just theory, it's just words, and you're trying to, you don't have the categories to try to explain it, because the other person doesn't understand what you're talking about. And I think that's, what, that's kind of what the Gospels are showing to us with the description of the resurrection. Everything rises and falls with the resurrection. If Jesus hasn't risen, then we should turn off the lights again right now and go home. No. There's, always, there's always been attempts since the beginning to play down the explosive power of the resurrection or dismiss it as some kind of pictorial representation of the disciples to try to carry on the spirit of Jesus. But as Paul himself would say, if Jesus is not risen, your faith is useless and we are most wretched than all other men. If Jesus is not risen, your faith is useless and we are more wretched than all men. And it's not enough to say, well, you know, Jesus isn't that important. Like, what's really important is his teaching. But being a Christian is not a belief in a series of doctrines in first instance. Christianity is not just one more teaching about the good life that's out there. You know, one more philosophy more, how to be like a good person. Being a Christian means believing in Jesus himself, true God and true man, who has come not to make bad people good, but to make dead people alive, like C.S. Lewis would remind us. He himself is the content of the teaching. We believe in him. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the judge of the living and the dead. I am the bread of life. Before Abraham was, I am. Whoever believes in me has eternal life. Follow me. Come to me and I will refresh you. If he has not risen from the dead, then he has been mentally deranged or he's a liar or something worse. But if the resurrection is in fact historical fact, everything changes. It was this real encounter that accounted for the boldness in the preaching of the apostles. Now at first, they're stunned, standing helplessly in front of this empty tomb. But these apostles took these sayings as idle talk of the women and did not believe them. Beautiful that Jesus shows himself first to the women. Because at, back then, they were, no, they were not allowed as witnesses in court. Like, this is Jesus breaking through all the barriers of what was thought was you know, possible. And we have seen him, later they would say, the apostles, Peter, who was so doubtful at the beginning. We have seen him, we ate with him, we have laid our hands in his wounds. And later he would be willing to die to be able to stand to what he just said. Or St. John, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have gazed upon, and what our hands have touched, we proclaim to you the word of life. The resurrection became for them the watershed between their life before and their life after. From then on, they would reply to anyone who tried to stop them speaking in that name, what Peter and John would say when they were arrested. We cannot possibly remain silent about what we have seen and heard. We have to obey God more than men. For if he has risen, then Jesus is also who he said he was. And then there is hope. And then there is a future. And then there is no hopeless situation. And life 
has value and meaning and direction. For a Christian, there's never a hopeless situation. Never. There's always a future. And in today's gospel, however, it's not so much about Peter and Mary or the other disciples. It's about you and me, right? It's about each one of us. And Jesus is looking into our eyes and he's looking into our faces and he's saying, Fear not, it's me. We don't commemorate the resurrection. We're not thinking about some guy who ran around the world 2,000 years ago, got a few people excited and that was it. But we believe in somebody who we say is alive today. And he's, he's coming again here on his altar in his mass. And he wants to come into my heart and he wants to repeat those words to each one of us in all of our situations, in our dysfunctional problems, in our health, unhealthy situations that we might be in, in our worries, our concern, our financial problems, whatever it might be that's concerning us. And he's telling us, be not afraid. What can separate us from the love of Christ? Distress or need or persecution or hunger or cold or danger or sword? It is written, for your sake we are subject to death all day long. We are treated like sheep destined to be slaughtered. But we overcome all this through the one who loved us. Do not be afraid. For when his perishable is closed with imperishableness and his mortal life with immortality, then the word of scripture is fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? Be not afraid, for I am sure. For I am sure that not the past, nor the present, nor the future, nor any other thing, nor the powers of height, nor the depths below, nor any other creature can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Do not be afraid, for I am going up to the Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. I am going up to the heavens, heaven that was closed since Adam and Eve, and I am going to prepare a dwelling for you. Do not be afraid, because you are part of the family. Welcome home, welcome to my father's house, your father's house. That's what Jesus would tell to Mary Magdalene. No? Go and tell them, I'm rising up to you, your father and my father, to your God and to my God. For you're no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, an heir with Christ. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Do not be afraid. He's alive, he's risen, he's risen indeed, and he is the light of the world. Amen. Hallelujah.